Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detective. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. Thank you so much to Paul uh, supporting the show at support.greatdetectives.net. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Casey Crime Photographer, the original air date February 19th, 1948, and the title is Witchcraft. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. <laughs> Hiya, Casey. Hiya, Bert. How's the weather outside? Ah, it's still bad. Seems like this winter will never end. Yeah, but like I always say, a long winter means an early summer. Is that what you always say? Yeah, that's what I always say. Tony, what do you always say? Casey, I always say, Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Our adventure for tonight, witchcraft. On the outskirts of our city, there's a queer rural community known as Frogtown, whose inhabitants resolutely combat the invasion of modern ideas and metropolitan customs. It's a section of small farms dotted here and there with a cluster of tiny houses. At about three o'clock on a cold winter morning, little groups of shivering natives peer curiously at a smoke-blackened shack that has just been the scene of a fire, and at the city policemen who are milling around it. Then a car with a press sign on its windshield pulls up at the curb, and a familiar voice... Hi, Sergeant Flanagan. What? Oh, so you're here, Casey. Sure, and before any other newspaper mug from the looks of things, at least I don't see any competitors around here. Uh, you're the first of your troublemaking tribe to get here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a report that firemen uncovered a murder inside that shack after they got the flames under control. How about that? Oh, that's correct, Casey. Huh? They found the old guy who lived there dead in his bed. He'd been stabbed through the heart. Then the killer set fire to the place as an attempted cover-up. Any dope on the killer? You'll have to ask Captain Logan about that. He's inside the shack now. Well, I'll ask him after I shoot a couple of pictures of the place from out here. These uh, people hanging around are neighbors of the dead guy, I suppose, huh? Yes, we've been questioning them, but nobody knows anything about the murder, they say. Oh, that's a great help. Hey, don't move away from the house, you people. I want you in the picture, if you don't oh, no, no, no. Well, hey, well... What do you know? They've all done a fade-out. Uh, you've covered news in Frogtown before, Casey. 
Didn't you find out that folks out here are kind of peculiar? They just don't want their pictures taken. Uh, oh, well, nuts. I'll shoot the house with just you cops around it. Where's your uh, sidekick, Miss Williams? Uh, she was out on another job when City Desk gave me a hurry up on this one. Uh, Sarge, move over there. I'll put you in the foreground of my next shot. Oh, fine. Oh, I never say no to those pictures, Casey. The wife thinks my left profile is prettiest, uh, so take me this way. Okay, Robert Taylor. <laughs> Hold it now. Got it. All right, now I'll see what Logan has to offer. There he's coming out now, Casey. Yeah, with some old dame. I'll go back to your home, Mrs. Greco, and stay there. I'll want to talk to you again later on. Nothing more I can say, Captain. I'll tell you everything I know. You may think of something more later. Good night. Good night, Captain. I'm honest woman. When I say I've told all, I have told all. Hmm. Uh-oh. I might have known you'd be showing up here, Casey. Hi, pal. Who's the old dame you just sent home? Her uh, name's Mrs. Mary Greco. She's a widow who lives in the shack to the north of this one. Her face is kind of familiar, but I can't... Now, you've probably seen her in police court. She's arraigned every so often on swindle charges growing out oh, yeah, of fortune-telling. Yeah, yeah. Old Gypsy Mary, they call uh, Come on in, Casey. Yeah. Gypsy Mary, just a petty swindler who takes in the nickel and dime class. Mm. And she seems to be altogether clean in the murder of this guy, Jenkins. Oh, Jenkins is the dead guy's name. Yeah, Amos Jenkins. Came here from some backwoods section of the Ozark Mountains about 15 years ago. Kept pretty much to himself and was suspected of being a conjure man. A what? A conjure man? That means a male witch, pal. A wizard. He was suspected of being... Are you kidding? Talk to some of the people in this neighborhood and you'll find they're not kidding when they talk about witches and wizards. They go for beliefs that belong back in the Dark Ages. Yeah, now I remember that a lot of farms out here have magic charms painted on the barns and yeah. houses to... Uh, Protect them from the evil well, eye. You'll see some anti-hex symbols right here in this room if you look around. The fire set by the killer didn't touch him, but they didn't protect the guy who put him up. The idea who killed this conjure man, Jenkins, or why he was killed? Uh, not, not yet, but uh, Mrs. Greco and a few other neighbors, I've learned that Jenkins chased a prowler out of here two nights ago. Yeah? According to Mrs. Greco, who tells the straightest story, she was awakened around 11.30, night before last, by a call from Jenkins. She got to her window in time to see a guy streak out of the back door with Jenkins after him. Did Jenkins tell him anything about what had happened? Only that he woke up suddenly to find the guy standing beside the bed with a knife in his hand. And the guy just beat it. She says Jenkins didn't know or wouldn't say who he was. But Jenkins is dead now, so we can't question him. Yeah, I can see that. But you think he came back with that same knife tonight and stuck it in Jenkins' heart? No, Jenkins wasn't stabbed for the knife tonight. He got it with a pair of scissors. What? Scissors? Yep. Body's still in the bedroom as we found it. Uh, come on in and have a look. Ah, okay. That fire didn't leave much untouched in this room, did it? Yeah, that body's badly charred. All except the head and the hair. Hey, take a look at that hair, Casey. Old guy wore it plenty long. He must have been allergic to barbers. Notice anything funny about his hair? No. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, a hunk of it's been cut off. Close to the scalp. Yeah, with a pair of scissors. Uh, and scissors were used to... Uh-huh. I told you some things here looked like possible leads. This one give you any idea? No. I'm completely dumb on it, pal, I'm afraid. There seems to be a connection. There must be one. You got anything else, Logan? Yeah. Something even screwier than that clipped-off hunk of hair. Here, have a look. Holy sir. A human hand. Cut off at the wrist. 
Is that what a jank is? No, the doc says it's completely mummified and it's been that way a long time. Where'd you find it? Under Jenkins's bed. Yeah. Huh. Must have something to do with the old guy's conjure stuff. It's probably a charm of some kind. Did you ask any of his neighbors about it? No, nor about the missing lock of hair. I'm keeping these two goofy items undercover for a while, and uh, I'd like you to, too. Okay. They're off the record until you say otherwise. You know, Logan, I'd say the smart thing for you to do is to study up on witchcraft. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I think I will, too. Murder's gotten interesting. <laughs> All you have to do is shoot pictures around it. I have to solve it. Ah, which reminds me. Uh, hey, I didn't say you could take pictures of that dead guy. Well, he's the only Frogtown resident who hasn't beat it when I aimed a camera tonight. You can't begrudge me one subject who doesn't run off. <laughs> Good afternoon. Good? Is Casey here? I don't see him. Well, I don't either. He ain't been in this bar all day. Oh, that settles it. This makes the third time in two hours he stood me up. If he really shows up sometime today, tell him I've gone and left no word. Uh, Miss Williams, wait. What for? Well, Casey don't break dates with you unless he's got big reasons. Ain't he told you what's keeping him? Oh, yes. Yes, he's got a wonderful excuse. He and Captain Logan are studying hex. Black magic. Black... Magic? Mm-hmm. And, and it's supposed to have something to do with that murder in Frogtown early this morning. Oh, I read about that, but the papers didn't mention nothing about magic. Well, Captain Logan is suppressing a lot of inside stuff on the case. Even I don't know what it is, because I haven't seen Casey, and I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going. Hi, Annie. Hello, Ethelbert. Awful oh. sorry to keep you waiting, kid. I just couldn't break away, though. That professor on witchcraft is the most interesting gal I've ever met. Gal? Yeah. Oh, boy, does she know her stuff, Annie. Annie, listen. There was a murder in York, Pennsylvania, 20 years ago that may be a ringer for this Jenkins killing. It seems that a conjure man, as the Pennsylvania Dutch call him, named Nelson Raymeyer, was killed by a guy named Blimer, and a lock of hair figured in that case, too. Her hair is blonde, of course. Uh, uh, whose hair, huh? Your fascinating professor. Annie, she's a little old lady. Yeah? Yeah. Seventy if she's a day. <laughs> yeah, and I'm talking about the lock of hair that was clipped from Jenkins. Well, I don't know anything about that. Well, I'll give you all the dope as we drive out to Frogtown. We're driving to Frogtown. Yep, right away. Have you had anything at the bar that you owe Ethelbert for? No, I just got here before you okay, came in. Okay, then let's go. Uh, just a minute. Uh, since you brung the subject up, Casey, you've been accumulating a little... Uh, uh, yeah. For two weeks. You, uh... <clears throat> We should pay, huh? Well, pal, I ain't supposed to put anything on the cuff. I got to take it out of my own pocket Wait, when I do, I know, and I'm I short know. right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. Well, what do I owe you, pal? Uh, eighteen forty. I hate to ask, and if you can't spare uh, it... Uh, my man, this $50 bill is for you. Keep it all and credit me with a difference. Yeah, that... He's given me 50 bucks, Miss Williams. Well, everybody has more. Mm -hmm. A neat little roll of 300 smackers, kiddies, minus the 50 I just handed over. Where'd you get all that money? Don't tell me one of them long shots you play finally won a race. Exactly. That's precisely what happened, Ethelbert, on a hunch that came out of the Jenkins murder. I stuck five bucks on the nose of an egg called Hexmaster, and he paid off 60 to one. Well, did you? <laughs> Casey, you've never won on the horses. Mm, well, I'm playing my Hexmaster hunch still further, Annie. And to win by a length. Come on, we're driving to Frogtown. <laughs> 
Perhaps once in a decade, a new material is perfected which changes our standards of value. Such a material is jadeite, spelled J-A-D-E-I-T-E, jadeite. It makes possible dinnerware unlike anything you've known. Jadeite is really beautiful. It has the lovely texture and color of rare Chinese porcelain. And jadeite is unbelievably strong. Why, it stands up under rough handling without chipping or cracking and is so heat-proof you can safely put it in a hot oven. Yet, jadeite actually costs less than the most ordinary dinnerware. For instance, a big jadeite platter costs only 25 cents in open stock. And a 35-piece dinner service for six is priced at less than $5 at your favorite chain store, department store, hardware store, or other stores selling chinaware and glass. A set of jadeite is a perfect gift, and it makes it easy to replenish your own supply of dinnerware. Jadeite is the newest triumph of anchor hawking. The most famous name in glass. There you are. I've given you a complete picture of what Logan found after the murder and of what the professor told us today. Well, it seems incredible that people in this country still believe in witchcraft, that they still practice it. And they still kill people because of it. Mm, yeah. What are we going to do in Frogtown? Something that Logan or his cops can't do quite as well as we can, Annie. That is, without risking a yell of frame-up and coercion. We're going to frame and coerce somebody? Mm, those are hard words, Annie. We're going to throw a bluff... That may lead to a killer. Oh, well, tell me more. All right. Now, Logan and I believe that Gypsy Mary, this Mrs. Greco, recognized the guy that Jenkins chased out of his house two nights before the murder. Well, she's keeping Mum because she's afraid? Yeah. Now, look, Annie, she doesn't know you. Hmm. So while I watch outside her window in the dark with a camera, you have your fortune told and pass her a marked bill, see? Now, I'll get a picture of it, and maybe we can bluff her into thinking that we can cause her trouble unless she talks. Why, it's blackmail, Casey. Well, a man is dead, Annie. His murderer is free. Besides, we're only pulling a bluff, kid. Okay? Okay. A very interesting hand, young woman. Very interesting hand. You can uh, read my future in it, Mrs. Greco? <laughs> I can read many things. <laughs> And not only in your hand. Well, t tell my fortune. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. How much do you charge? Oh, the little lady wants to pay me. Well, of course. <laughs> no, 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 my dear. Put that money back into your purse. Old Mary will give you what she sees for nothing. <laughs> for nothing? Uh-huh. <laughs> to begin with, my dear, there is a young man in your life who will be more comfortable... If he comes into my warm house instead of standing in the cold outside my window. <laughs> oh, I, I've come inside, Mr. Casey, with your camera. Uh, thanks. <laughs> You'll find the door unlatched. Just push it open. There's lots of cold coming in the open window. I close it again. Well, young woman, uh, how do you like the things Mary Grico sees? <laughs> you answer that one, Casey. All right, I will. I'll answer by talking straight. Mrs. Greco, I think you can tell us the name of the prowler that old man Jenkins found in his house. Yes. Yes. And so? We want to know who he is. 
I tell the cops I do not know. We're not cops. I know who you are. You work for big, rich newspaper that has much money to spend. Uh, well, I can't read hands, but I can read minds sometimes. How much? How much you pay? Well, our city editor would have to answer that. Uh, if you want to buy from me, I sell now. I do not sell later or to anybody else. Well, look, I haven't any dough. Well, then go away. Now, Get wait a out. minute. Wait a minute. I know. Wait. It is Casey, now or never. you have $250. Oh, $250. Oh, that, that, that belongs to me. It's not the papers, bright girl. Give me $250 I'll and give it I tell. To her, Casey, it's worth it. Well, maybe the paper won't give it back to me. Of course it will. For a murder exclusive? Give me or get out. Okay, okay, all right. Stick with me, Hexmaster. Don't let me lose this roll you won me. It's just $250. All right, now give me the dope you promised. I give. And the true dope. I, I not only see the man Amos Jenkins chase from his house that night, but my good friend Jenkins tells me who he is. All right, tell us. The man you want has a little farm. On Barry Road. His name is Elisha Kraft. Elisha Kraft, Barry Road. That's right. You'll have no trouble finding him. <laughs> but you will not find that he killed Amos Jenkins. What? What do you mean? <laughs> Go and see Elisha Kraft. Get acquainted with him. <laughs> Your money has bought truth from me, Mr. Casey. $250 worth of truth. <laughs> But it has bought no murderer. <laughs> uh, you are Elisha Kraft? Yes, sir. I just told you I was. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. What you and this lady want to see me about? Well, uh, we're on the Morning Express, Mr. Kraft, covering the murder of Amos Jenkins. Amos Jenkins? Now, Mr. Kraft, a witness has positively identified you as the man Jenkins discovered in his house three nights ago. Mister, I admit I was in Jenkins' house that night, and I ain't sure how I got there. What? I'm a sick man. Sometimes I get spells, and I don't know where I am or what I'm doing. I didn't know I was in Jenkins' house until he hit me then. Then I come out of my spell and ran. You had a knife in your hand. How do you explain that? I tell you, I don't remember. Besides, I ain't got strange enough to choke a kitten. I, I can't even do the littlest work around my farm anymore. I gotta hire fellas to do it for me. I'm sick, mister. I'm worse than sick. I'm dying. Casey. I'm sorry, Mr. Kraft. I had to do this. I wasn't in Jenkins' house last night anyway. I can prove it by my two hired men and Dr. Hoffman. I had one of my spells last night, a bad spell. Dr. Hoffman come at midnight, and him and the hired men set me, they sat with me till three in the morning. Dr. Hoffman, you say? Uh, Dr. Gustav Hoffman. Anyone will tell you where to find him, and anyone will tell you his word is better than gold. Uh, how long have you been sick like this? Going on a year now. It, it hit me sharp and sudden. Well, we hope you recover your health as suddenly as you lost it. Uh, thank you, ma'am. I, I hope for the best myself. Yes. Uh, let's go, Casey. Uh, just a moment, Annie. Uh, before we leave, Mr. Kraft, I'd like to take a picture of you. Picture? Yeah, for the paper. No. Uh, why not? Don't believe in pictures. Don't like pictures. I know my rights. Nobody can take pictures of me when I say no. i got to rest now. I'm a sick man. Yeah. All right, we'll go. Thanks for everything. You're welcome. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Kraft. Hmm. 
Casey, even if his alibi proved phony, I couldn't believe that that poor, wasted midget of a man drove a pair of scissors through Jenkins' chest. Neither could I, Annie. I don't think his alibi will prove phony, either. Well, we'll check it, of course. Come on, get in the car, kid. Okay. Sorry, Casey. Sorry for what? The $250. Oh. I made you give it to that old woman. The paper's tough when it comes to money. You don't think it'll allow me the dough I spent because we're not bringing in 250 bucks worth? Eh? All we'll get for your money is a, a razzing. Mm, I'm not so sure Gypsy Mary swindled us, Annie. Well, now, how can you say that? Annie, After... before I start the car, take a good look at Kraft's house, his barn, the chicken houses. Well, I'm looking. All right, what do you see? Well, a group of very well-cared-for buildings. Annie, listen. If you had a barn, for instance, would you have a fake window painted on each side? Has fake windows. Just painted on the board. Yeah, they're to the fool witches. To fool witches? Yeah. According to some popular hex ideas, the witch will be sap enough to try to get in the barn through those windows instead of going to the door. Casey. Yeah. There are painted wheels on some of the buildings, too. There's a witch catchers. Our friend Elisha Kraft had hoodoo chasers hung all over him. You mean he's he's a believer in witchery? Yeah. Like Jenkins' neighbors this morning, he's afraid of being photographed, too. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, well, I'm going to get pictures of that guy when he doesn't know there's a camera around, Annie. And then I'm going to make him tell me who he paid to kill Amos Jenkins. Sit down, mister. You too, lady. Thanks, Mr. Kraft. What you two come to see me about this time? Well, we figured we owed you an apology for our first visit three days ago, for the suspicions we had of you then, I mean. Oh, that's all right. We saw Dr. Hoffman. He verified your alibi. Uh, his words better, I'll scold. Mm. Everybody we've talked to says that. He's not your uh, regular doctor, Mr. Kraft. Uh, uh, regular doctor? Yeah, you told us you've been sick about a year. Dr. Hoffman says you've only consulted him a few times during the past month. Uh, yeah, uh, that's right. Who's been treating you the rest of the time? Why, uh, I, I've been taking care of myself. Have you, sir? Well, that was dangerous, Mr. Kraft. Dr. Hoffman told you you require hospital care. Uh, he don't know everything. I'm getting better without no hospital. Uh, have you felt better since, uh, since Amos Jenkins died? What do you mean? Those sudden stabbing pains in the chest you've been having for nearly a year... Have they stopped during the past four days? I they haven't stopped, and they're not going to stop unless I stop them, eh? You? Here's the reason why. My picture? You've got a picture of me? Yes, and I know powwow magic, and I know conjure magic. I am a hex master. There's pinholes through my picture, pinholes in the chest where I get them stabbing pains. No, you... Go ahead, tear I... the picture up. Tear them all up. I got other pictures of you, lots of others. And you and your body and your mind, your living image is trapped in every one of them by my magic. When I stick a pin through your image, you feel it in your chest. You'll kill me. You'll finish the hex that Jenkins started. Yes, you. unless you tell me how Jenkins was killed and tell me the truth. I'm a witch doctor. I'll know when you're lying. Talk. If I do, you lift the hex. You let me live? I'll lift the hex. All right, I'll talk. When I first got the pains, I didn't pay no attention. Then it got worse, and I went to see Lut Albrecht. Yeah, he's a conjure man, a power doctor. Yeah. yeah, he charmed me and gave me magic pills to swallow, but that didn't do no good. Finally, he says someone had put a hex on me. Finally, after you'd paid him much more dough, he told you Amos Jenkins had laid the hex, huh? Yes, the only way to stop it was to put a bigger hex on Jenkins than he put on me. You know, Concha, mister, you know we had to get a lock of Jenkins' hair to fix him good. Yes, I know, with a lock of his hair, which was part of his body, part of him, this Albrecht could work big magic. That's right. 
Well, I went to Jenkins' house at night when he was asleep. I had a knife to cut off a lock of his hair, but... Yeah, but he woke up and chased you. Yes. Then Albrecht went to get You him. don't know everything, mister. Look, look, Albrecht. I come in your house by the Pecklager. I've been listening. It's nice to meet you, Mr. Albrecht. Even with that shotgun in your hands. I'm going to do more than just hold this shotgun, mister. I've been thinking Elisha might talk to someone more than was good for him. I've been watching him close. He won't talk to nobody else. And you people won't tell what he's already said. Ludwig, you I'm won't... going to kill the three of you. No, no, no. You're Ludwig. not much of a conjure man, Albrecht. If you have to use a gun to shut us up, why not try a little magic? If you was the conjure man I heard you claim to be, mister, you would stop me from using the gun. But you can't stop me. I'm shooting now. Good shot, Logan. Beautiful magic. Yeah. I hope I didn't kill him. Uh, you didn't. You only plugged him through the shoulder. And only just in time. You you and them other policemen was watching outside the window? And listening, Mr. Kraft. You've been under constant observation since an hour after Casey and Miss Williams first talked to you. Hey, Sergeant, get a doctor for this guy. Yes, sir. Now. I'm going to take some exclusive pictures that are going to get me back 250 bucks. <laughs> Dear old Hexmaster, he paid off all the way. We'll join the crowd at the Blue Note in just a moment. You know, American children are the healthiest children in the world, largely because most American babies... Now get a good, sound start in life. Much of the credit for this is due to our American food packers who produce convenient, scientifically prepared baby foods. The young mother can now give her baby well-balanced, nourishing meals without spending endless extra hours in the kitchen. In selecting prepared baby foods for your baby, whether fruits, vegetables, soups, or meats, it's wise to insist on two things. One, a brand name with which you're familiar, and two, a glass jar. Sterile, crystal-clear anchor glass jars can't possibly affect purity or flavor. And because you heat and serve foods in the same glass jars in which you buy them and then reseal the jars to store leftovers, mothers save precious hours each week. Most of the better brands of prepared baby foods are packed in clean, sanitary anchor glass jars and sealed under vacuum with easy-to-open, easy-to-reseal anchor caps. Both products of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. This uh, powwow doctor, Albrecht, uh, has confessed to the cops, huh, Casey? Mm hmm. To quote the language of the classics, Ethelbert, he has told all. As a matter of fact, Kraft had already paid Albrecht several grand for his magic help. Here's Doan being a witch doctor. Who said it? Well, Jenkins woke up when Albrecht snipped off a hunk of his hair, and Albrecht let him have it with his scissors. Mm. And then he set fire to the place and made his getaway, and... Oh, that's all. Well, not all, Annie. There's that, that mummified hand. Oh, and definitely. Mm. How did that thing get under the bed? Well, Albrecht had brought it with him. It's supposed to be the hand of an executed criminal. And it's supposed to be a powerful magic charm. A charm for what? Well, I'll tell you, Ethelbert, if you want to go into a house and steal something, hmm? a lock of hair, for instance, it prevents people in the house from waking up and catching you at it. 
Yeah, but it didn't work. No, not so good. Gee, in this age and day, such people. Yep, they're with us, pal. Say, did you get your 250 bucks back from the paper, Casey? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got it. Oh, it's, well, it was. Pipe down, will you, Annie? What goes on? <laughs> Casey played a hunch too far, Ethelbert. Uh, well, okay, I'll tell it. I don't mind. You see, Hexmaster was running again, Ethelbert, and I stuck the whole roll on him, and I... Say, uh, Ethelbert, can I, can I have the change from that 50 bucks I gave you? <laughs> Casey, you just don't have any hex appeal. Huh? Oh! <laughs> Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is written by Alonzo Dean Cole. It is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures, all products of Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Photographer is directed by John Beats and is based on the fictional character of Flash Gun Casey, created by George Harmon Cox. Original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Jan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. Next week is Brotherhood Week, and let's make it work. Judge every man by his individual worth, not by some label. Don't spread any rumor against any race or religion, and don't listen to them either. Speak up against prejudice and four understand. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. This is CBS, where 99 million people gather every week. The Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, it was interesting, as always, to read Dr. Joe Webb's comments on this episode. And he pointed out that Alonzo Dean Cole combined a lot of different elements in this story. Uh, the area of Frogtown was actually uh, the name of an area that uh, Alonzo Dean Cole grew up in. Uh, over in St. Paul, and it obviously would not recognize itself in the portrayal in this episode because his basis for Frogtown is his knowledge of the superstition of the Amish and the Pennsylvania Dutch. However, he doesn't make the people in Frogtown in this story, and it's important to note that generally KC seems to be set in a city that's kind of a composite of Boston and New York. And it doesn't mention these people being Amish, and that totally threw me with the thing about not wanting their picture taken. Because I thought we might be getting vampires in the story. 
because Alonzo Dean Cole, you know, he wrote for The Witch's Tale, and he's even inserted some spooky stuff into Casey, and I'm like, okay, they don't want their picture taken. Maybe they're vampires. Honestly, I have no idea how this would work out, that we've got this whole section of town with superstitious vampires that are afraid of witches. Thankfully, they didn't go that route. Uh, now, I, I guess it's, it's, since I'm mentioning that, I should mention that I had a, uh, not necessarily a friend, but somebody I've met and uh, chatted with. He wrote a book called Amish Vampires in Space. So maybe I got the Amish and the vampires uh, mixed up. And let me be clear, I would not think vampires with any other series uh, other than Casey just because Alonzo Dean Cole has gone there. He also, uh, Dr. Webb, also took issue with kind of the uh, harshness of the tactics to get the elderly gentleman to say what he knew. I, I have mixed feelings as well. I, I think on one hand, uh, you know, in both, you know, where he was, you know, talk, thinking about potentially blackmailing the fortune teller. And there is no such thing as doing a bluff at blackmail because even if you don't go, uh, intend to go through with it, uh, if you're committing extortion, that's going to be a problem. So I, I honestly don't understand why Casey is wanting to go to such lengths to try and solve this case. And I really would like an explanation to, you know, understand why they, this was so important. I do think that uh, his treatment of the old man, you know, maybe there was an element of doing it for his own good. Because having studied witchcraft, Casey may have thought that he had put himself under the power or care of a local uh, witch doctor of some sort. And the only way that the old man could be helped is by getting him scared enough to... Uh, be more scared of Casey than he was of his uh, own uh, witch doctor, which turned out to work out all right. All right, well, listener comments and feedback now. Regarding episode 3597, Music to Die By, Joey says, I can't help but feel that Casey is partly uh, responsible for the superintendent's death. And I can definitely understand the feeling, and I think I, w I would agree with you the way that he set it up, uh, though, of course, in an unintentional way. And I think they wanted us, you know, as an audience, not to necessarily feel all that bad about it because uh, the man who got murdered helped murder, you know, somebody else. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Casey bore some responsibility for setting up that situation. Then again, Captain Logan kind of would bear the responsibility for anything that went on there because he kind of just lets Casey do his own thing on so many cases. Ed writes regarding that episode, the things Professor Webb points out in the commentary about the character inconsistency and such, that seems like Casey crime photographer all over. Years ago, I found the show to be a good gateway to the medium, in that it was simple and rather lowbrow, but the more episodes I heard, I couldn't shake the feeling that the show was lazily written and often 
acted rather half-heartedly by Stance Cotworth. Uh, you can only uh, spackle over weak plots with Casey's hunches so many times. Anne has no personality whatsoever. Logan's a bore and a knucklehead. Only Mr. Williams as Ethelbert really makes an effort at character death. Fluff. Give me Mr. and Mrs. North any day. Well, thanks so much for the comments, Ed. And certainly, you know, everybody's going to have the programs that they prefer and some that they really don't like i would i would disagree with most conclusions about the characters and the acting i love the voice for captain logan myself and i don't think he's that far off as a cop he's not sergeant heath over on philo vance Anne's personality uh, is limited and like a lot of female side characters of the era, she's not particularly deep uh, in the way she's written. We can gather some background that she's educated, and she likes to tease uh, and prod Casey, also having some romantic interest in him, even though Casey is probably a bit of an older guy. But I totally get... Uh, your criticisms, and I'd even partially agree with you on many of them, but I still find the series enjoyable, you know, despite that. And certainly Dr. Webb does. As no one is a bigger advocate for the series, researcher of the series, uh, more dedicated as a fan of the series than Dr. Webb. He would not have written, the, you know, this whole entire detailed blog with all of the notes he'd taken over the years and uh, newspaper clippings, magazine articles, all that exhaustive research if he didn't enjoy the series. I mean, you could not pay me enough to do a blog like he did for Casey Crime Photographer for something like Danger Dr. Danfield. Well, you might be able to. I mean, in theory, I've done things that have been more tedious than that in various day jobs I've had. But it'd have to be the type of money that'd make me say, well, on one hand, I would really hate to do this. On the other hand, once I get this check, then we can take care of the baby's college fund. But anything less than that, it would be no. But to put that much effort into something and to really immerse yourself in the world, the characters, you know, all the documentation with the series. Uh, you know, that really does show the degree to which there are so many people who really enjoy the series despite seeing all of its flaws. And, you know, I think it's always a question uh, particularly with these older programs, you know, there's going to be flaws, and do the flaws ruin it for you? And for some people, it's yes, other people, it's no. But thanks so much. I appreciate your thoughtful comments, Ed. Then I have a comment off of YouTube. This from Saysoff uh, regarding uh, comments I read a few weeks ago uh, from uh, uh, listeners who were complaining that about sound quality and even saying we didn't edit sound uh, the files at all uh, he said adam here's something that you should mention 
Uh, it's that radio archives and radio spirits might have pristine sounding programs, but their selections are rather limited. I enjoy listening to your programs with its wider selections of shows and an enlightening post-show commentary. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate that, Saysoff. And I do want to, of course, be uh, fair to both companies. I think particularly with Radio Spirits, uh, their business model is based uh, primarily on selling sets of popular programs. They also tend to add extras along with their sets, uh, including, you know, informational booklets about the series that's being covered. So they tend to, you know, really make nice things for collectors. They make nice gifts, but they only tend to do pretty popular series. Whatever they're selling, it needs to be commercially viable. Now, of course, they do have other things. Uh, I'm not claiming to be an expert on all their products. They have uh, their, you know, when radio was uh, broadcast. And they also have the uh, uh, channel on Sirius XM radio. Radio archives is kind of like that as well. But they also are less likely to have uh, CD sets that they issue go out of print. And they tend to, if they commit to doing a series, to issue multiple volumes. They also have kind of diversified their product line beyond old-time radio, which I think was actually a really good business decision because I think they are the only company that sold, sells old-time radio that I'm aware of, you know, and I'm not talking about MP3 CD makers that has not gone bankrupt at one point or another. In addition to the old-time radio, they also sell ebooks and audiobooks of old Pulp Fiction magazines. I've listened to a few, and they're pretty good. They've got characters like the Black Bat. They have the Wild Adventures of Doc Savage. And they have every uh, single uh, adventure of the pulp hero, the spider, with both ebook and audiobook available. So I think they may release a little less old time radio than they used to, although they you know, do tend to have something out pretty regularly. They've been doing a lot of great Gildersleeve, a lot of Fibber McGee and Molly. I will also say, in fairness to them, that both Radio Spirits and Radio Archives do try to release a little bit of variety. Radio Spirits released their listener series, and they've so far done two CD releases, uh, and each of them has a variety of programs that are more rare and obscure. Radio Archives have done considerably more of that. They actually have released 86 volumes of what they call their treasures, which collects 20 hours of of programs from a whole variety of different old-time radio programs, from mysteries to horror to 
Fox. These are pricey sets. I think either the Radio Spirits or Radio Archives. They're also attempts to, you know, really provide some sort of variety. And now obviously here we, you know, play whatever's publicly available and we, you know, go for a wide variety of different programs, whether they're commercially available or not, and we just go from the first to the last. So I guess that's the contrast. And I hope, Saysoft, that I didn't start any uh, long unwanted discussion, but I just wanted to be fair, too. I, I don't want to say those companies don't provide any variety and get some emails. So it's better just to be fair in addressing it the first time. All right, well, now I want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Talia. Patreon supporter since September 2017, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Talia. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, mark the notification bell. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of Casey Crime Photographer, but coming up tomorrow, we have an episode of Jeff Regan where... There was a whole menagerie in this one. A giraffe an elephant, and a gorilla that always said, yeah, yeah. It didn't take place at the Griffith Park Zoo, like you might think. We played this one out along the Sunset Strip, the stretch of big-time movie agents' offices, Mocambo, Ciro's, specialty shops, and razzle-dazzle that ties Beverly Hills to Hollywood with tinsel tape. It started, as these things sometimes do, in my boss's office, the Lion Detective Bureau. Now, just sit down, Jeffrey, and stop pacing the office floor. You know what carpeting costs. Sure, sure. Okay, Lion, give it to me again. And slow. Jeffrey, you know there's nothing I wouldn't have you do for money. You topped yourself this time. One hundred dollars, Jeffrey. As Anthony J. Lyon, president of the Lyon Detective Bureau, I felt it my duty to take the case. What did she say exactly? Exactly. Well, uh, this charming young lady, uh, Annabelle, I believe she said her name was, phoned us and offered to pay $100 if we, uh, that is, if you, Jeffrey, yeah. would recover her stolen property. The poor dear thing had been victimized. A little something was uh, stolen from her this morning. Her giraffe. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.